We all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello, welcome to Speaking of Fire. This is Mike Slatman, your host, and I'm a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators and honored to be so. I'm the president of Fire Consulting International and the manager of Fire, uh, it's called CFIS, Consolidated Fire Investigation Services, 200 investigators all over the country. And this is Donna Ingram. I'm a past director of the International Association of Arson Investigators. I've been in claims and fire for over 30 years. Welcome to Speaking of Fire. Yeah, and you see, keep telling them that over 30 years, and, and I've got over 45 years in, in, in fire, fire investigation, so I think that makes me old or something. Well, no. Anyway, well, look, uh, the first thing I want to start off with is we got a little commercial here. The National Association of Subrogation Professionals is having their 20th anniversary uh, from November the 11th to the 14th. It's a conference in Sh- at the Rosen Shingle Creek Resort in Orlando, Florida. And Donna and I have been uh, invited to go down there, and so we'll be there. So if you want to come see us, we'll be at the National Association of Subrogation Professionals, November, that's Veterans Day, November 11th. It's observed on the 12th and to the 14th in uh, Rosen Shingle Creek Resort in Orlando, Florida. Now, I want to thank everyone. Today is our last show. Uh, We've been on for 18 months. And, uh, and, and we've had some wonderful guests, all the heavy hitters in, in fire investigation throughout this country. And, and also we did, as you know, a, an eight-hour deal at the International Training Conference, and we had people from all over the world. And, uh, and I've been honored by their appearing on the show. And, um, and, and Don and I want to thank you for that. Absolutely. It's been over, oh gosh, we've had darn near 80 shows and how many hours of information has been put out there that you can still go back it's on it's on the internet so it's there forever Uh, it's archived on voice america and on our website speakingoffire.com that's two f's speaking o-f and then fire with an f speakingoffire.com so you can always access the shows from there and we've had all the great great people that have really laid the foundation in this field. Yes, and we certainly have. And, and we've had one commercial person, and that was SEA Limited, uh, who's, who, um, by the way, uh, uh, William Bumper Moylan is now the president of the International. He was on our show, and, uh, and they, we have, want to thank them for uh, being our com- uh, commercial person. Uh, but today, we got a, we've got a great guy. This guy was on our first show. His name's Daniel uh, Daniel Medrakowski. Uh, he, he was formerly with NIST, is it with the uh, Underwriters Laboratories now? He um, he was the most popular show in the first year that we were on. It was always everybody hit it, uh, and it was because uh, I th- I think it, he was so good. And the name of it was how to keep yourself from setting yourself on, how to keep from setting yourself on fire. So today is how to keep yourself from setting yourself on fire, the sequel. Okay, so, hey, Dan Madrakowski, how have you been, man? 
Very good, Mike and Donna. How are you today? We're fine. And we want to thank you for being on our show. You you have got a lot of training and experience in, in fire investigation and research. Um, do you want to tell them a little bit about uh, about you? And, and then I want to ask you what you've been working on lately, because I know it's exciting. But just tell them a little bit about you. Well, I've, uh, I've been around uh, for more than three decades, I guess, working on fire research. And as you indicated, started off at NIST and did a wide variety of things, um, but had the opportunity to get into a number of uh, different types of fire investigations, which included uh, post-earthquake fires, uh, included the Kuwait fires, um, the oil well fires. Um, and then uh, toward the latter half of my uh, time at NIST, uh, we spent a lot of time being involved in uh, investigations of uh, firefighter line of duty deaths, which kind of focused some of my work, and then uh, also a number of tragedies, uh, such as the Station Nightclub fire and the uh, Cook County High Rise fire. Yeah, you've that, done that so, sort of laid the groundwork. You've done some great work, and then and Station Nightclub is uh, is very important, uh, and uh, all our fire investigators should learn from your research. Uh, what have you been doing lately? Because I know you've been really involved in some great stuff. Well, as part of my move to uh, uh, Underwriters Laboratories Firefighter Safety Research Institute, uh, we've been able to secure a number of research grants from the National Institute of Justice. And this was funding that uh, hadn't been available to me uh, previously. And they they have a panel of people that looks at the, every year they look at what are some of the highlighted issues that are of importance to the uh, fire investigation community. And so right now we're kind of addressing three of them. <clears throat> the first one is uh, looking at the impact of ventilation on fire patterns in full structures. So we're not just building a single room uh, in contents type of deal. We're building, we built 1,200 square foot uh, single family uh, ranch house hmm. and a 3,200 square foot uh, two-story colonial and lit fires in them and looked at the impact of, of ventilation on the patterns. And uh, that was that was pretty revealing. Uh, the second topic area that we're looking at is what happens when energized electric wires, which might be laying on the floor or, say, be from being plugged into your printer or your computer into the wall and exposed to a post-flashover uh, type situation, um, what do they look like after that exposure? And can you determine anything from that? Can you determine that they were a target? Also, we looked at different methods of circuit protection from the conventional uh, thermomagnetic uh, circuit breakers to the uh, ground fault interrupt and to the arc fault interrupt type technologies to see if we could see anything different uh, in how they tripped or what the um, uh, arc map, the arc, area might look like to see if they were any different. We're still going through that data now. And then last but not least is a project that we just started the burns uh, last week uh, where we're looking at burning modern furniture, upholstered uh, chairs and things of that nature, and using them with a number of fire algorithms that are uh, in common use by the fire uh, investigators for time to flashover or flame height or prediction of the hot gas layer temperature. But almost all of those algorithms, many of them, uh, had been developed with laboratory fuels, uh, spill fires or gas burners or things of that nature. And so we're trying to understand how well those algorithms hold up 
under a more realistic use with uh, furniture and, and in compartments and things like that. Um, th- thanks for letting us know about the research topics. And what how, what do you see the output of this work being used for? Is it? I think that um, certainly all this information will be fed back through the National Institute of Justice System uh, to their experts. Uh, we'll be uh, sharing this information with NFPA 921 as the reports get published. Uh, we're trying to uh, help get this information out to training manuals so if people that are publishing a fire dynamics textbook or any other kinds of textbooks, say the uh, if the manual on fire investigation, uh, we'll certainly be sharing our information with them. All the information is in the public domain. Uh, we've been working with the National Fire Academy. Uh, they're trying to revise their uh, fire investigation curriculum and make it just that, more of a curriculum and a path to get a, a certified fire investigation um, um, be able to sit for the test, the IAAI test for that, and and get your CFI. And so we've been working with them. And, of course, anytime we have an opportunity to uh, present or get some information into an IAAI uh, training program or something like that, uh, they've always been good collaborators with the researchers, and we we, certainly try to get that information there as well. So there's going to be reports and training as a result of, of this production? Yes. And, uh, and one of the things, in addition to the typical uh, paper report, uh, some of the training we'll have on our webpage uh, in the near future. And um, ULFSRI has been uh, known, basically, for having online, free online training that goes with almost every one of their reports uh, to make it easy for uh, fire service professionals or fire investigators, in this case, fire marshals, uh, to be able to interact with the data, see the test videos. Uh, so it's more than just reading reading the report, a very dry report, let's say, and and um, it kind of makes the report come alive. So the idea would be that you have a couple of um, challenges, if you will, uh, to take. And once you uh, take the challenges, whether you're uh, successful or not, we hope it's a learning experience, but basically then that would unlock data and allow you to see it and, uh, and, and unlock more information, let you see the video of the test. So you basically get to see the post-fire, just as you would in the real world, uh, the post-fire structure first, uh, take a look at it, make, a, make some hypothesis, use your scientific method. And what we're interested here, especially with the ventilation, is uh, get your assessment of where was the fire getting its oxygen, therefore where could the fire burn? Where, did the, where was the fire triangle complete? Where do we have enough fuel, heat, and oxygen to make that work and, uh, and go through that process? And then um, submit their answer, sort of gauge how well they did, and then that unlocks them to see the test video and the data and things like that. So we're hoping that that will be well-received, um, and we would like to have that completed September, October of this year and have that available to everyone free. And that will be on our website, which is ulfirefightersafety.org. And if you go to that website now, ulfirefightersafety, one word, .org, uh, you can see some videos that talk about the experiments that we're currently doing or, and the, the, um, the projects that are underway. And we'll be updating that in a couple of weeks for our new project that we just started with uh, uh, last Friday. Oh, that's great. And I bet you've enjoyed doing this, conducting the research, haven't you? Oh, uh, absolutely. You know, it's, um, 
it's uh, it's really been a joy uh, doing the research and uh, working at UL is uh, interesting. It's a we work for the not for profit part of the company, and uh, that part of the company also has an intricate uh, interest in supporting science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education, basically STEM education. And so we had an opportunity to work with the education group in the UL not-for-profit, and uh, that group took some of the videos and some of the data from the NIJ study on the impact of ventilation on fire patterns and put together a um, learning module that's aimed at sort of eighth graders or, or freshmen in high school and it's a program they call Explore Labs, and that's spelled with an X, uh, Explore Labs. And they developed a module called Fire Forensics, Claims and Evidence. And it gives a, uh, a background of, of fire dynamics, very, some very brief and well-animated, uh, as well as video-supported uh, fire dynamics lessons. So you learn about heat transfer. You learn about a fuel-controlled fire. You learn about a ventilation-controlled fire. Uh, then you learn some terminology from 921 with regard to evidence and fire patterns and lines of demarcation and things like that. And then you get a training lesson in uh, investigating a fire and kind of walk through a fire scene. And then at the end, you have an interactive 360-degree uh, image that you can scroll around and uh, look for hot spots and collect clues and evidence and build your own case and then submit it. And uh, we've gotten great feedback from teachers on the program. Uh, they use it as part of a maybe a three-day uh, lesson uh, in their class. There's also some uh, resources that you can click on that have some experiments that you can do. For example, turning a soda can into a calorimeter to better understand heat release rate and, uh, and things like that. So one of the demos is burning a marshmallow, which has a lot of carbohydrates and calories and sugars versus, say, burning a cheese curl, which has a lot of calories in the form of fat and grease. And so you can visually see that they burn very differently, and the amount of heat they burn is very different. So people have, have really enjoyed that. Listeners can go through that program themselves. Again, it's uh, online. It's available for free. And that website is at UL Explore Labs, which is spelled E, I'm sorry, which is X-P-L-O-R-L-A-B-S.org ulexplorelabs.org. And um, there's also another program there on stored energy, which focuses on uh, lithium-ion batteries. So if you want to see, you know, what happens when you drive a nail into a lithium-ion battery, uh, there's some video there. It talks about burning hoverboards and things like that and, and uh, some of the issues there where UL came out with a standard to uh, hoverboards to be tested against so that they wouldn't accidentally catch fire if they're a, a listed um, a listed uh, product. So mm -hmm. again, the, the whole goal of the whole company is to try to increase the safety of, um, of consumers around the world. And uh, we're just one small part of that, but it's, uh, it's fun. I'm very glad to be, be part of that. Well, let me That's tell great. you, <laughs> Donna, thank you for for that, did I? And I'm interrupting. I'm sorry. Did you have another question for him? No, actually, I was just going to say that uh, he led right in by talking about fire safety uh, to keep, you know, keep within the theme of our show how to not set yourself on fire. Fourth of July is next week, so we're going to talk about some fireworks and grills and so forth. Correct, Dan. Mike. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Dan, I, I thought you were asking Dan. Yes, we're going to talk about that. Well, Dan, let's talk about 
but everybody's got a grill. Let's talk about some grills. What, what do people do to, to get a nice fire going on a grill? Well, you know, um, there are uh, many people that have a very nice uh, grilling experience every year. But mm-hmm. according to the National Fire Protection Association, uh, I think it was the, the most recent numbers, I think, are from 2016. Uh, the grilling accidents, uh, they had almost 10,000 home fires. So on average, over the past couple of years, it's about 9,600 home fires and over 16,000 documented injuries. And typically what they mean by documented injury is that the injury was serious enough that uh, the person went to an emergency room and got, uh, got logged into the system uh, that, they had a, that they had an injury from a grill accident. So we would certainly like our listeners to um, be able to uh, have a safe Fourth of July and not have to wait in the emergency room with a documented injury. Right, 32, we've got about 32,000 listeners all over the world. Um, big, big, uh, we're big in, uh, in Ireland and the UK and China and Russia, even Russia, eight, eight in Russia. So, I mean, uh, you, you're talking to everybody. So tell me, what, what, how are they doing this, Dan? How are they misusing this to, to start these fires? Uh, well, tip, uh, some, some very common um, ways that accidents would occur would be, uh, say, operating a, a hot object like a grill, whether it's a charcoal grill or a gas-fired grill, too close to their home or too close to the structure. Uh, mm-hmm. So enough heat transfers that it would uh, start the siding of the material of the uh, structure on fire. And, you know, UL has done a number of studies for firefighting where we've noted that with a relatively small flaming fire impacting the side of a house uh, under certain conditions, when you have um, plastic uh, materials that can melt and drip or uh, foam plastic materials also that can uh, hold heat but then uh, ignite fairly readily. Um, any kind of a substrate that you have in your house typically is pretty combustible. So once the mm-hmm. fire gets to that, it's a very short period of time for it to run up the wall and get in the attic and, and or get the deck on fire, uh, assuming the deck's made out of a combustible material as well. So that's, that's a big one uh, that you know, leads to a house fire, basically. Yeah, uh, I tried folks it. might light the... Go ahead. I was going to say, I've worked many of those where it's been right up against the house. The other thing, too, is um, <laughs> with these uh, propane gas grills, uh, sometimes the connections, uh, they don't c- connect them properly, particularly when they've uh, refilled or changed uh, the bottles. Uh, what do you find about that? Do you see these are usually quick connects, though. They're, they're supposed to connect well, but uh, do you find people uh, inappropriately connecting things, too? Well, sure. Uh, another, another big common reason for the accidents with the uh, gas-fired grill is uh, either people uh, lighting the grill with the lid closed and then kind of popping it open and have unburned gas, and they create a fireball that kind of rolls up the front of their body and burns them. Uh, or, as you indicated, uh, you can have leaks. Um, and so one of, the, you know, one of the important safety things for a gas grill in particular is to uh, check your hoses and check your connections for leaks before you use it, especially the, the first time, first use of the season. And, uh, you know, if you have a leak, make sure you turn the, the gas off at the tank and, and you know, keep sparking flames away until you can get that uh, dissipated. And, you know, if you can't get it fixed yourself, make sure you get it appropriately serviced. Um, yeah, soap, soapy water, not, uh, not using a, a lighter. 
to, yes, to yes. check soapy for leaks. Water is very good for uh, <laughs> finding the leaks. Of course, when you get the soapy water mix over the the connections or or brush it over the hose, if there's a leak, it will bubble up and uh, sort of make some foam bubbles there and give you an idea right where the leak is. Yeah. And what about charcoal grills, man? Well, charcoal grills or any grills for that matter, it's just some general, you know, guidelines or you, you never want to use the grills indoors. Sometimes if you're planning a cookout and uh, the rain's coming, you have that temptation to bring it into inside a patio or inside a garage. And you kind of think, you know, it's open enough, it's airy enough, but you got to remember that you're, you have a fire, you're making combustion products, you're making carbon monoxide and you, you have heat that needs to be dissipated. And um, so these grills were not designed to be used indoors. So uh, don't do that. Again, keep the grill away from the home or deck railings. Don't have it under the eaves. Don't have it too close to any overhanging branches. Uh, You want to make sure that uh, children and pets, you know, you try to keep them at least three feet away from the grill. You know, some, uh, some accidents have happened where, you know, kids are sort of playing tag or enjoying themselves. And next thing you know, one kid bumps into the, into the grill and either knocks it over on the deck and gets a contact burn or things like that. And, you know, typically try, just like with any cooking, don't leave your cooking unattended, whether you're cooking on your uh, kitchen range or whether you're cooking on the grill, you really want to, uh, you know, pay attention to it, monitor to it, monitor it so that uh, unexpected things don't happen while you're, while you're away. I'm glad you brought hey, that Dan, up, Dan. What about grass, uh, gas grills? Do you need to do anything special with that? Well, we, we talked a little bit about the gas grills, you know, when we were looking at uh, at checking the leaks, and that's really a, a very, very important thing because a hose leaks or breaks, according, again, to the NFPA data, caused 24% of the outside gas grill fires. So that's, that's, a, that's a, a loss leader, so to speak. That's a big one. Uh, you want to make sure you open the grill lid before lighting it. So open the lid, turn on the propane, turn on your control knobs and light the grill. Uh, if you smell excess gas while cooking, something's wrong. And um, uh, depending on whose guidance you want to follow, some people just say, you know, shut the tank off immediately. Others just say get away from the grill and call your fire department. Uh, you know, typically, you don't want to move the grill at that point because bad things could happen. Yeah, uh, that's, that, that's a that's a that's a terrible thing. I've we have had people moving them and and uh, and oh turkey deep fryers. You know those deep fryers. Sure, I got a terrible. Sure. I got a terrible story about this. My 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 one of my guys where I was over. We're going to have a party, and we were doing it right next to the uh, on the concrete and next to the garage. Well, I went to get ice. And in the meantime, he put the turkey in, only it was, you know, it was one of those, uh, he got the turkey, it was, it was wet, he threw it in there, it was cold, he had a big flame up, and it and knocked mm-hmm. over and, uh, and, and spread burning grease all over the driveway. That could have been inside the garage. That would have, um, that would have really been a devastating fire, and thank God he wasn't hurt. But those are the kind of things that people do also, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. And... You know, with charcoal grills, uh, well, with the propane, let's just finish. There's one other thing that's important. When you're shutting off your grill, Mm -hmm. turn off the propane at the tank first and then turn off the burners. That way you don't keep the line between the uh, propane tank and the burner shut off pressurized and you minimize your your chance for leaks and and things to go go awry. So that's that's an important piece. Um, As you indicated with the the turkey fryer, 
you've got an open flame, you've got a lot of hot grease, uh, there could be, uh, you know, potential for burn injury or a, a significant flare-up from the, uh, the gases coming off the grease that could uh, auto-ignite. And so, you know, we talk about in structure fires, uh, especially to the firefighters, that smoke is fuel. And you really got to manage this, that part of the fire in order to get control of the fire uh, so you can get to the seat of the fire and get water on it and put it out. But first, sometimes you have to cool the smoke down so it doesn't auto-ignite on you. And um, in many cases, that's true with the charcoal grill in some sense as well. Um, you want to use a charcoal starter fluid instead of something more volatile, like never, ever use lighter fluid, never, ever use gasoline, things like that, because the vapors come off um, very quickly and uh, they could auto-ignite while you're trying to light it and perhaps, uh, perhaps burn you. Uh, in many cases, some folks, um, in terms of environmental uses uh, or depending on where they live, they may not have access to a charcoal starter fluid, and so they use electric uh, charcoal starters, which are basically a heated uh, glow bar that um, has a handle on it. You plug it in, and it uh, gets the charcoal growing, glowing, mm-hmm. and if you're going to use those, uh, they draw a fair amount of current, so it's important to choose an appropriate extension cord rated for outdoor use and, you know, ideally one that has the uh, underwriter's laboratory mark of safety uh, so that it's been uh, listed for that purpose and, and can be used safely. Um, right. You never want to add any, any charcoal fluid or flammable liquids, you know, once the fire started because that's just, uh, there. there's a lot of, uh, of bad things that could happen there. Right. I, I guess up. if we... Go ahead. I, I'm sorry. It's just I, I don't mean to interrupt. We've got less than a minute left in this segment, but uh, what I do want to talk to you about when we 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 come back, I want to talk to you about uh, you know the charcoal grills where with the briquettes and and using them on uh, on uh, decks, wooden decks and things of that nature because I work a lot of those fires. So uh, we're sure. going to have to come. We're going to go to a break now. So when we come back, please come back to speaking of fire. Easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at fcifire.com or call 913-262-5200. Fireanalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. 
Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. You are listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. That's right. You see... um we're back, and you're terrific. And so we were talking about grills. You want to continue that, please? Uh, certainly. So we were we were talking about uh, never adding charcoal or other flammable liquids to the fire, you know, once the fire started. And mm-hmm. it's uh, interesting. This, this would go for not only grills, but campfires or fire pits or anything like that. Um, ATF did a study because there were a number of incidents where uh, – Somebody was throwing a flammable liquid like gasoline on a fire, trying to rekindle the fire or get the fire to build up a little bit. And mm-hmm. basically, one person on one side of the fire was um, putting the liquid on the fire. And, of course, the entire fire flamed up. But also, people opposite them uh, got seriously burnt. And uh, so ATF did a study, and they call it a gasoline flame jetting. And they've got some really nice videos on their website, which is ATF.org. So that's an easy one to remember, ATF.org. And if you click on the uh, gasoline flame jetting, you can see videos, slow motion of, from every different angle and whatnot, where basically it shows that the fuel is being dumped out of the container. It kind of backs up into the, the flame, goes back up to the mouth of the container, and kind of pressurizes the the. Uh, vessel and shoots get flaming gasoline um, <laughs> for several feet well over well over the fire source and so exactly. this is certainly something you don't want to have with a grill or or any kind of uh, fire that you're enjoying. Right. In fact, Bob Toth, uh, T-O-T-H, uh, who is uh, running for second vice president for the International, just posted something on LinkedIn, uh, same thing, uh, f- uh, flame jetting. And, and, uh, and I know that uh, I know you guys are doing the research, too. Um, what about uh, what about charcoal grills like on briquettes? Uh, you, have you have I, I don't know if you've studied them, but I've worked many uh, charcoal uh, grill with uh, briquettes where the people uh, don't close the um, they have a they have a little vent on the bottom and they don't close it properly and it falls on a wooden deck. I, I always uh, I always uh, uh, advise people not to to burn uh, charcoal grills on wooden surfaces. Go out and put it on your patio um, the uh, concrete. What do you think? Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. It's, uh, there are a couple issues. One is, you know, the, the, grill, the coals dropping out. And also, I don't think people appreciate how long the coals can stay hot. So they, uh, they get the fire going, they cook their food, and then they uh, sort of leave the grill alone and kind of forget about it and enjoy the rest of their evening. And, you know, whether the lid's up, whether or not embers can get out, or, or the, the coals get small enough to fall, fall out of a vent like you've indicated, 
Uh, if it's anywhere around something combustible, whether it's a wood deck, whether it's a pile of leaves next to the house, uh, whether it's a plastic deck, anything that's potentially combustible, um, yeah, it, it can be bad news. And, and I agree. I'm amazed all the time, not only with uh, the cooking grills are, are sort of one thing, but these uh, portable fire pits that people use, they're made out of steel. They have legs that are maybe, you know, 12 to 18 inches tall. Uh, so the fire is relatively close to whatever surface it's set on. And you'll see people using these pretty routinely on wood decks. It uh, seems like it's just asking for trouble. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. And, and uh, same way with people doing bonfires and, and burning brush and throwing gasoline on or lighting, pouring a, a gallon on there, standing in the vapor and lighting up um, the uh, and getting burned. It's, uh, it's amazing to me. Uh, what about, uh, oh, we're close to uh, July 4. What about the uh, fireworks, Dan? Well, of course, with fireworks, first and foremost is you want to follow whatever your local laws are with regard to uh, if you can have any fireworks at all or what kind of fireworks you could use. Um, the Consumer Product Safety Commission, in fact, I think their annual uh, press conference about fireworks is being held later this afternoon. Uh, the most recent data they had from uh, 2016, uh, they indicate that there were about 11,000 injuries treated in U.S. Uh, hospital emergency rooms. So, again, documented injuries uh, in 2016. Um, the important thing is is that almost, uh, not quite, but almost 70% of those uh, fireworks-related injuries occurred right at this time of the year between June 18th and July 18th. So, as you said, this is the season. Uh, for this kind of thing. Yeah, and what's the people, what should they be aware of when they're around fireworks then? Well, um, most people, uh, many of the national safety organizations, just as a a precursor, if you will, uh, National Safety Council, NFP, and others suggest that you just leave fireworks to the professionals. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's, that's sort of the number one. But uh, what people might be aware of is certainly a number of things whether they're at a professional show or if they're at somewhere where they're using fireworks, never pick up unexploded fireworks. Um, mm. You just don't know what the state of that, uh, that device is. Uh, there could be an ember there you don't see. As you go to reach for it, it could explode and, and uh, cause uh, great harm to uh, who's ever in the area. Uh, don't try to relight firecrackers. Um, many times, you know, the wick will burn down and the firecracker body is still there but now it doesn't really have a wick so it doesn't have time for you to get rid of it and there have been folks even you know like professional ball players and whatnot that have received uh, career ending or certainly career altering injuries um, under these kinds of circumstances so please please don't do that um, if you're at a show and uh, other people are using firecrackers or other um, fireworks that are not part of the show yeah, that's probably not the best place to stand because you never know where a, a bottle rocket might get aimed <laughs> or whatnot. Uh, there were also, I think, seven fatalities. On average, I think there's about seven fatalities a year. And oh, wow. uh, most, of those fatali- most of those fatalities are typically from uh, being contacted or hit by a projectile. Um, so you, you want to be, you know, keep your wits about you, situational awareness always uh, with those kinds of things. 
Um, yeah, we had we had a guy that was stealing Scandalaria. He was he was part of a fireworks shows and he was stealing them, and he putting them in racks in the basement, and until his house blew up and he was killed in the basement, uh, skeletonized his <laughs> left hand uh, because uh, and we'll never know exactly what the ignition source was the that did it, but uh, it, it blew uh, blew a house up uh, and uh, and even blew the wall down to the next next door neighbor, so. Uh, no, everybody should be very, very aware of fireworks. One thing, Dan, what do you think about storage of them? Because we've only got two minutes left on on this uh, before. Uh, well, I, mean, I, I, guess, I guess there's uh, just from the enjoyment part, there's one other thing we want to cover quickly, and that's sparklers. Even right. though they don't explode, you got to keep in mind that when they're burning, they can reach 2,000 degrees Fahrenheit and that the wires stay very hot even after the sparks have been expended. So if you're interested for our listeners in any of these safety tips and getting more details or more links or any uh, tips on uh, uh, using the pool in the summer or any wide range of safety slips, trips, and falls, you can go to safebee.com. And again, that's a safety website for part of UL that gives you a lot of hints and tips on how to have uh, safe summer fun. Well, I'm glad you said that because I wanted you to reiterate the the explorerlabs.com, um, uh, and how do people get in touch with you, Dan, if they wanted to talk to you? Uh, basically, they can just uh, email me at daniel.madrakowski, common spelling, at ul.com. <laughs> um, yeah. Last name is M-A-D-R-Z-Y-K-O-W-S-K-I, or they can just send an email to um, uh, ULFSRI, so go to our website at uh, ulfirefightersafety.org. And there's a contact us point, and they can reach me uh, through that mechanism as well. Well, Dan, you are a terrific guest. You've always been a really good friend, and I appreciate you, sir. You were on the first one. You're on the last show. Uh, you've, as usual, you've you've uh, you've you've made it very interesting and exciting, and and we thank you. And um, I'm going to say goodbye to you now because uh, I've got a kind of final show commentary. Uh, but I want to thank you again for being there, and, and God bless you, okay? So take care, okay? Thanks, um, Michael, Dan. thank you, and, and thank you and Donna both for being great hosts and uh, putting out a lot of nice uh, archival material for us to uh, listen to in the future. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Donna, do you want to say anything before I go into my, I've, I've written a long kind of diatribe here, so do you want to say anything to the listeners before um, I start? I do, I'm, and I'm just going to make it short and sweet. Um, you can get a hold of us uh, through our website at speakingoffire.com. Um, I'm going to give you my personal email, dingram at fcifire.com. Uh, we, we put on classes. Obviously, we put out hundreds of hours of, of training here for free. Uh, we do we do volunteer and do a lot of work and training. We also uh, can come in uh, for a fee and, and put together a course tailored to you. Uh, that's what we do. Uh, we we are very interested in education. As you can see, this has taken a lot of work hours, a lot of uh, expenses, and so forth just to put on this show. But we did it gladly. So uh, okay, Mike, diatribe away. Okay, this is my final show commentary. Since uh, since this is a bitty, bittersweet show for me, I want to talk to all the fire service, police, fire investigators, lawyers, and engineers, all of us professionals that have professional codes of ethics. And I'd like you to take a look at them. 
uh, we all tell the truth, and we we um, routinely assist vulnerable people, the poor and the victims. And I want you to look. Uh, I want to see. I want you to look at the following comments and see how they reflect on those ethics. And also, you, the general public, you live by your own religious and social mores. And I believe in a positive view, man, that you're striving and honest and and trying to get somewhere. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say and search your soul and see if we can agree on some things. Um, I'll now utilize my right under the First Amendment of the Constitution of the United States and and. My opinions will be based upon, and uh, what's too often neglected, things like reading and, uh, and observations and discussions with people on both sides of, of the issues. Uh, first of all, we have, I'm going to say, we have laws in this country, laws in the United States, laws that are based, as all laws are, uh, first on the Magna Carta, which was signed by King John in, 20, in 1215, in 1215. The Magna Carta and its later amendments are enshrined in our U.S. Constitution in the 5th and the 14th Amendments. And, and, uh, and it establishes due process of law. Now, we have a, an assault on due process right now in our country. Um, and people like the Attorney General of, of Missouri, who is running for Claire McCaskill's seat in the Senate, doesn't either is too much of a Trumpite or doesn't understand that this is enshrined and there are two, there are two Supreme Court rulings about establishing the, the, the due process of law. I hope, I hope Claire McCaskill is reelected because this guy is either too dumb or he's too much of a Trumpite to say the truth. We currently have a president in the United States, John Donald J. Trump, and his uh, this narcissistic, megalomaniac, racist, and woman-hating would-be dictator is assaulting our democracy by trying to remove the due process. A protection not only for refugees, but next would be us. He's assaulting the First Amendment of our Constitution by attacking the free press. He's lost a stature in the world, and he lacks common humanity in his executive order that, that caused the imprisonment of children. And, and he denied it until, until later he, he, he made the order that he did and reversed it. The cruelty exhibited by this administration is a tragic circumstance, and it causes me to wonder about the United States of America, our people. Our people, why are we letting this go forth? People, wake up. Do not hide your heads in the sand. Don't become frustrated and, and not watch what's going on. Read newspapers. Use reliable Internet sources, not the Russians. Okay, read magazines, watch television, but watch both sides of the question. Not only Fox or in, in MSNBC or CNN, watch all of them, ABC, ABC NBC, all of any news source. Do not tacitly agree with, with people that by silence when they're dehumanizing other people. Say something to them. Do I need to explain to you why you should care for other people? I, I doubt I do. In, in Judeo-Christian, Muslim, Buddhist, and every other religion, it's a tenet that we do unto others as we would have them do unto us, right? Jesus Christ said that. And he also said that there are only two types of nations, nations that accept the stranger and the other that rejects the stranger. 
He also said those nations will be judged accordingly. Our country is, is, was founded by people from other countries seeking safety and a better life. Our Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights that among them are, are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The people that are entering our country, particularly from Honduras and Guatemala, are refugees from unbearable violence and crime, the highest murder rates in the, in the world. They do not break the law when they ask for asylum. They're just asking for asylum. They're not criminals. They're not drug dealers, invaders. They're not terrorists, and they're not bringing in babies as shields. Those in our government that... that that say that or puked up those ideas are, are, should not be serving us. They should be voted out. And don't take it from me. George Will, the conservative, noted conservative uh, columnist and a writer, in a recent column entitled, This November Cast Your Vote Against the GOP, he notes the carnage of the Republican misrule in Washington. He states that we have an opportunity in recognizing this before the elections and we can reshape Congress. He states the congressional Republican caucuses must be substantially reduced. And then my comment is the GOP is not the GOP it used to be. You can't be a conservative and be a member of this GOP. He indicates Paul Ryan is wagered in and I say lost his dignity in the false proposition that he could have a sustained discourse with this president, which George Will, Will says is this Vesuvius of mendacities, untruthfulness. Any of us that tell the truth know what a liar looks like. Okay, he further writes that, that Ryan and many other Republicans have become the president's poodles, that the president is the mainstream. And this is, Congress has done nothing. There's sloth and timidity, uh, ducks hard work and risky choices. He knows that the Republicans could have legislated uh, against this imprisonment of children. And he says that they could have, they could have it, it is an advertisement for the unimportance of Republican control. Remember, this is a Republican conservative columnist. This is not just me. And here's a shock. I, I actually voted for Republicans before, but not these non-feeling robots. The vice president, lapdog, is no better. Uh, he note, Mr. Will notes that Corey Lewandowski is now on his PAC, his, his political action committee. And when he was interviewed about a 10-year-old girl with Down syndrome taken from her parents on the border, Lewandowski re replied, wah, wah. What a kind of unfeeling, disgusting person is that? Okay, so, and now in today's GOP, um, the president is his president is his, is the plaything of the Republicans are his plaything. Uh, Will says, so to vote against this party's cowering congressional caucuses is to affirm the nation's honor while quarantining him. To I'm going to say that again, affirm the nation's honor. I'm in total agreement with him. Okay, his foreign-born immigrant naturalized citizen's wife while visiting incarcerated children wore, uh, wore a, a jacket that said, I don't really care, do you? How unsympathetic is that? 
Okay, so some of you will say that the Republicans get a, gave us a ca- tax cut. Well, that tax cut is for the rich. We've got a $19.9 trillion deficit. It's more than it, than it was at the end of World War II right now. And the Congressional Budget Office says this tax cut will, will increase to a, 152% of the gross national product. And you know what they're doing? They, to pay this for this rich people's da- tax cut, Congress is, cut, is cutting food stamps, Medicaid, Medicare, tripling assisted housing rents, eliminating meals on wheels and, and heating and the heating fuel assistance. They've eliminated them. Therefore, the rich, again, are living on the back of the poor and the elderly, the least powerful people in this country. The dehumanization of Hispanics has been Mr. Trump's theme from his announcement to run until to this day. He cannot ever seem to tell the truth. The big lie tactic was used by the Nazis to dehumanize the Jewish people. It led to mass murders in the Holocaust. Listen to this. Listen to at first a Nazi sympathizer, Martin Niemöller, who later became an anti-Nazi theologian and Lutheran minister. He wrote this. First they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me and there was no one left to speak out, to speak for me. You can substitute Afro-Americans gays, reporters, Catholics, Muslims, or any other politically opposed group to Trump in this example. People, we are in danger in this country. We are in danger of losing our free press. We're in danger of losing our democracy. Evil can only triumph if good people do not speak out. So I want you to go out. I want you to demonstrate. I want you to vote with your time, your money, and your ballot. He's, he's moving against voters' rights. He's, he's moving against women's rights. And he is destroying our country. Michelangelo said at age 87, he said, I'm still learning. Abraham Lincoln said, I do not think much of a man who is not wiser today than he was yesterday. So listeners, inform yourselves. Please make sure you pray for our country and vote to sustain democracy. Now, finally, I want to say, you can tell I'm passionate about this. Um, the only thing I've ever had on, 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 on feedback has been attacks of my stances. So feel free to attack, to attack anything you want to. Also feel free to support us. But I want to tell you that um, I want all of you to take good care, to drive defensively, to be blessed by God. And I guess all I ever now I have to say is, is farewell to you, kind listeners. It's been a great ride.
Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.